All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fucksters, what the fuck buddies, what's happening? I am Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Are you all right? Is everything okay? I went to the chiropractor on the recommendation of people, a couple of people, having never been to a chiropractor before. That was something. I I don't know if I'm wrong in my opinion of chiropraction or practitioners or I don't know. I don't know. I'll share my experience with you momentarily. Uh, what else is happening? I want to make sure that these dates are out there. The, the shows are selling fine. I It's just we live in a period. There's some people who knows, man, I'm not the biggest comic in the world. I do pretty well. But uh, I seem to need to constantly remind people when I'm coming. And I can do it on this show. I can do it on Twitter. I can do it on Instagram. Outside of that, I can't come to your house. There's no way I can just make the rounds. I'm not on Facebook. So this is the deal. I'll be in Cleveland, Ohio, at the Agora Theater, January 30th. I'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at the Fountain Street Church, January 31st. I'll be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Turner Hall Ballroom, February 1st. It might be chilly. Orlando, Florida. I'm at Hard Rock Live, February 14th. That's Valentine's Day. Now, I said to you, those those tickets are selling better than I thought, but I get it, man. I, I, I don't know if I'm everyone's idea of a night out on Valentine's Day. I would say that really, I... If you know me and you want to hang out with me on Valentine's Day with your partner, that's nice. I I will do a little something for Valentine's Day. I promise that. I don't know what, but I know I'm not. Look, I'm a lot to deal with when it's not Valentine's Day. And I'll try not to ruin your relationship if you come see me in Orlando, Florida, at the Hard Rock Live, February 14th on Valentine's Day. I'll do something special. I don't know what that is, but I'll, I will I will figure something out. I'll be in Tampa, Florida at the Straz, February 15th, Straz Center. Portland, Maine at the State Theater, February 20th. I, this is a return to Maine for me. I think I did one of my first paid gigs as a comedian ever. One of my first paid gigs in Agunquit, Maine, probably 1988. It was me, me and Nick DiPaolo. I've been back to Maine a couple times since then, obviously, but I don't think I've worked in Maine in 20 years. Is that possible? Probably more. Might even be more. So that's a big deal. The return to Maine at the Portland, at the State Theater in Portland, February 20th. Providence, Rhode Island. I do not think I have ever performed as a grown-up in Providence, Rhode Island. I believe the last time I performed in Rhode Island was maybe in the 80s, the late 80s, early 90s, at Periwinkles in Davos Square. I think that might be the last time I was in Providence, Rhode Island. So what is that, 30 years ago? Yep, so that's a big deal, Providence. I'm coming back to the Columbus Theater, February 21. New Haven, Connecticut, at College Street Musical. I was there a couple years ago. I liked it. And Huntington, New York, at the Paramount. I was there a few years ago. Two years ago. I don't know. But New Haven on February 22nd. 
and uh, Huntington, New York at the Paramount on February 23rd. I was there. I like it there, out on the island there. You can go to WTFpod.com slash tour for links to all the venues. Dean Delray will be uh, with me on those dates, barring anything. I can't imagine us having a falling out before then or during it. Dean Delray has Kirk Hammett on his podcast right now. I have a guitar player on my podcast today. Josh Klinghoffer is here today. I met Josh Klinghoffer uh, a couple years back, and he played with the Chili Peppers. Now, this interview I did was booked before he was fired from the Chili Peppers. Josh is uh, was the guitar player for the Chili Peppers for almost a decade. And we booked it before he was fired. Kept the date, and we talk about you know what happened and who he is and you know how he got the gig. He's a very interesting guitar player. He has uh, other projects. He's got Dot Hacker, a few albums with that collaboration. That's him. He's got his uh, Plural One solo project. He'll be opening for Pearl Jam on their spring tour starting in March uh, the 18th. He's also going to be on stage with Pearl Jam a bit doing this and that. I talked to him after our conversation. But I like talking to guitar players, and he's like a pedal freak and a Stratocaster freak, and he goes out there, he fucking, he warps it. He goes out there and warps the sound. So that's coming up. There's a 50% off sale going on right now at Pod Swag. All right, so you can get all the WTF stuff, all the new WTF t-shirts, travel mugs, water bottles, keychains, all half off. Okay, and it's applied at checkout. You can go to podswag.com slash WTF and get yourself merched up. And I also wanted to tell you my buddy, Moshe Kasher, uh, who's been on this show four times, live and unlive, has got a, uh, a new comedy album out. It's called Moshe Kasher Crowd Surfing, and it comes out tomorrow, January 24th, from Comedy Dynamics. It's 100% crowd work. Uh, Moshe has a skill at it, and he makes it work. And I, he was, I, he's always, it's really the best thing he does. And I don't, I don't think he'd take that badly. Back in the day when I first saw him, that was what he was doing. He's, he's good at crowd work. Some guys are good at crowd work. Todd Berry's another one. Uh, there's just some people are crowd work people. You can get Moshe Cash or Crowd Surfing as a digital download on Apple Music, Amazon, or wherever you download your tunes. So, my back. As, I, as I've told you before, I've got some weird thing going on in my upper back right in between my fucking shoulder blades and uh, beneath my neck that I think I popped something, uh, putting some weight down on it. Lower back, I think that also came from uh, poor form in the squat situation or the deadlift situation. Whatever the case, I've dealt with the lower back before. The upper back is a, kind of a fucked up thing I've never had before in this way. So with the, the sort of suggestion over the years and recently from my trainer and the woman I am seeing, chiropractor, they said, go to a chiropractor. Now, as I said before, I was taught deeply and, and aggressively by my Western practicing father that chiropractors were, uh, were, were bogus, bunk medicine, no good the 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 physical hands-on version of snake oil not uh, not the real deal 
didn't have what it took to become real doctors. That was how I was brainwashed by my father. Now, knowing that, I, I thought like, well, whatever, man, it's my back and you know, I'm going, I'm going to the real doctor today. And I'll say that, real doctor, to get it looked at and maybe get some x-rays so I can make sure nothing's squished or broken or fucking off in there. But I did go to the chiropractor first and he did some uh, stuff. He did stuff. He did, uh, you know, everything just shy of some sort of uh, witch doctor dance, to be honest with you. Now, again, some of it seems reasonable. Some of it felt effective. He did some tension testing, me pushing on his hand, uh, you know, from my arm, from my leg and this and that. And then he had some sort of machines that clacked, that kind of pound, 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 pound. He put that on my lower back and on my upper back, and then a different pound, 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 pound. I felt it clacking away on my spine. Uh, he did he did the little twisty thing that made the cracky noise on my on my back and my neck. Scary neck is scary. You really realize, like you know, there's a moment in a chiropractor's office where you like, is this why I end up in a wheelchair? Is this why? Is this why I signed the release form? What happened? Why why did you? Did you get shot? Were you in a car accident? No, I had some back trouble and I went to a chiropractor and I signed off on it. And this is how I, could you feed me that please? Could you put that in my mouth? But look, not mocking anybody who has a a debilitating or that's not, I do not, I thought that when I was in getting my neck cracked, how easy it is to break your fucking neck. Pow, look out. Just shit my pants. Just coffee.coop. So cracked, clacked around with the clackers, focused laser on the two areas that uh, were causing pain. And I'm like, he said, look, it doesn't seem like you have a major injury. You have plenty of flexibility and you, you, know, you have movement, motion, range of motion. So I don't think it's bad. I'm like, okay. He did. So he rubbed some stuff in it, some smelly stuff, camphory stuff. Then I laid down my stomach and this was where, you know, there was a couple moments where I could tell his tone and I could feel the trick with the t- checking the tension. Oh, see, that's better now. This muscle's not working. This muscle is working. Whatever. And we're in the back of his house. Now, I think the guy's probably pretty good at what he does. But when I laid down and he threw a couple of discs on two of my chakras and then made some diagnosis, some partial diagnosis about the energy there, I was sort of like, okay, maybe... Maybe don't do that part. If you want to remain convincing, let's not do that part. But look, I'm sure that the cracking and the clacking and the and the 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 rubbing and the the heating and the 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 nice uh, smelling stuff that penetrates can't hurt. I don't know if it's going to fix it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it maybe it takes a few days. But uh, I don't know about the uh, the chakra discs. Chakras are good, pal. How's my back? All right? But I appreciate it, and I was open to it, and it was nice to have the cracking and the clacking and the rubbing and the smelly stuff. We'll see. Maybe maybe, maybe a miracle happened. I'm still in pain. I worked out today, and that's that. Hey, you know what? I'm not... Look, I'm no doctor, but if you're on this fucking carnivore diet or the keto diet or whatever, can you please do yourself a favor and check if you have heart disease in your fucking family? Will you please? You know, it's like, I, I understand some people's conception of cholesterol or whatever, but I went to a cardiologist. I don't care what you think about pharmacology or pharmaceuticals 
or or Western medicine. But if you have plaque in your fucking heart, if you have a propensity to heart disease that you get plaque from eating fucking cholesterol, check it out. Check it out before you're like, this is a great diet. I can eat all the bacon I want to. I love this diet. I ate half a pig and I and it took me a week, but I, I don't eat anything else. I just eat pig and uh, egg yolks. Check it out. Cardiac disease is on the rise in fairly sophisticated cities. And I got a hunch it's from a decade of uh, meat-driven diets. I'm no doctor. I'm not saying this with any credibility. I just got a hunch. I got a hunch. If you if your diet includes eating all the bacon you want, just do yourself a favor. Check if you have heart disease in your family. Maybe get your cholesterol levels read. And, and if you want to spend an extra few bucks, see if you got any gunk in your heart before you have fucking crap out at 44 from heart disease because uh, your diet allowed you to eat you know, raw meat every day. Just be careful. I, I, I'm, I might be talking out my ass. Oh, yeah, I know that my episode of Finding Your Roots was preempted by the impeachment in many places, but it was quite good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning about Jeff Goldblum's family and Terry Gross's family, and I like what they chose to focus on about my family. You can get the PBS app, which I just got, and or you just find it. It was good. So I got an email about this. This is from Leslie. She said, this Asian thanks you. Hi, Mark. Love you. Love your podcast. Saw you in Joker the other night. You were great. I was watching the movie with my son and husband. I got so excited when you popped on the screen, you would have thought I just saw my brother acting with De Niro. My son said, mom's friend has a cameo in the movie. Well, I listen to you twice a week, so in many ways you are like a friend and a brother. Plus, I was born in 1962, so I really can relate to much of what you say. Speaking of relate dot dot dot, I really appreciated your honesty during your interview with Randall Park. Randall spoke about what it's like to be Asian in America and how it can be a challenge at times if you are not Caucasian. You very genuinely said that it was something you didn't really think about not being white. It was refreshing to hear this being addressed. I personally am a third-generation Chinese-American. My grandparents came from China. However, both my parents were born in California, as was I. Despite this fact, it would blow your mind what people ask me as a kid and even now as an adult. Here is a sampling. Do you eat every meal with chopsticks? No. When did you come to America? The minute I was born. Do you have rice every night? No. Can you help me with my math? Hell no. Do your grandparents live with you? No. Do yours? Why don't you speak Chinese? Same reason you don't. Your mom makes spaghetti? Yes, and it's good. What do you do on Thanksgiving? Eat turkey. How many times have you gone back to China? Uh, never. Why is your English so good? I'm a Californian. I think you get my drift here, and it may surprise you that in the year 2020, this is something I still contend with. Interesting how Americans whose parents or grandparents were from Europe are often not asked such questions. Makes you think, right? I can relate to a lot of what Randall Park had to say, and I have a feeling many of your listeners do, too. Thanks for your great podcast. I never miss an episode, and I am enlightened by each and every one. You make my life better, and I'm grateful. Have an awesome decade. Fondly, Leslie. You're welcome, Leslie. Thanks for uh, sharing that um, that annoyance with me. I appreciate it. So look, folks, right now I'm going to talk to Josh Klinghoffer, who was 
until very recently, the guitar player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. As I said, he's going on tour with Pearl Jam. His solo project, Plural One, will open for Pearl Jam on their spring tour starting in March on the 18th. Josh's solo album, To Be One With You, is available now wherever you get music, as is many of his other projects. It was interesting, and he does tell me you know, his side of what happened and about his relationship with John Frusciante and about the Peppers and about you know, how he got started and you know, some, about some other people who have been on this show. But look, I'll let him tell it. This is me talking to Josh Klinghoffer. <laughs> there yeah. let me see yeah hello yeah you're registering i uh, see the wave things probably not that loud um, yeah what is it with you guys uh come on you sing yeah i know but what yeah no i, I still need to project more oh yeah yeah probably you're you're a lead guitar player yeah you're not a bass player you well should be out front. i i was i was have you heard are you are you up to, uh, you're up to up speed, to speed? Well, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I heard that. Uh, yeah, I guess we got to cover that. People are are uh, are, are freaked out. <laughs> Things are are buzzing. You're you're out of the Chili Peppers. Well, yeah, when this was this was booked before before that, that. yeah, and I, and then someone like the day after booked we booked it like uh, we, you know what's going on with the Chili Peppers? You know, Frusciante's back. You got to interview him. And then I'm like, I got Josh coming. <laughs> So maybe we'll get some answers because I just saw you guys at that benefit I host at, yes. uh, at Flea's uh, Music Which you've Conservatory. Done a, f- a few of what happened was this? Uh, did you see it? Was it? Did you know it was happening? No, not at all. Come on, man! No, complete, uh, complete surprise. But I mean, it, no, complete shock, but not a surprise. I but guess. you're friends with John Frusciante, right? I was. We hadn't oh. spoken much since I joined the band. We'd sort of really, it. yeah, at all, really. I hadn't spoken to him in in 10 years or so until uh, Flea got married in October. We, we we spoke briefly. But wait, okay. So now, but you guys, well, maybe we should go back. So you, you got blindsided by this thing? Yeah. And now you're out of the gig? Yeah. And you just, you got no explanations? What did- Well, the ex- I mean, it's pretty simple and it's, yeah. there's no, uh, there's no animosity. I mean, the, the, uh, the explanation is that John is, uh, would like to come back and is, is sort of re- rekindled a relationship with the band or with Flea musically and yeah. for the last little while and behind it, your back I suppose you know I mean they I, were jamming somewhere yeah yeah but uh, but um, yeah the the moment they told me I I told I said to them I wasn't surprised by this you know it sort of crossed my mind once or twice when well, I when, well, yeah which is when I heard that you know they're John and Flea had hung out or oh. you know I didn't know they'd been playing or anything yeah. But um, the uh, I I I just in that moment they told me I sort of had this this uh, this great sort of wave of Uh-oh. of love for them yeah and love for everything I was able to do with them and yeah. I sort of you know I put up a, a barrier between that feeling and anything that might come beyond that point oh, you okay. know or any change right. that my life right. might so go you, through or you anything stayed like in that. the gratitude. Yeah, and you you know I hate sounding like that. Normally, I it's it's not easy for me to spe- right. speak of all that stuff. But I uh, but that's that's where I uh, <laughs> that's, that's where I'm living. Well, and, that, it's, and it feels really good. Well, how long were you with them? Ten years. It was a perfect sort of decade. It was yeah, like October of '09 till December of. So when year. when you took the gig, I mean, we can go through the history of it because you did several records with Frusciante, right? When he left. Yeah. And, and no, well, well, no. When he was in, when he okay, so you did his solo projects when he was with the Peppers, yeah. And but like he's on how many? 
You did one studio record with them or two? Two. Two studio records. Two, two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, two. And then I brought you one, actually. There's a, um, there's a whole collection of, of extra stuff we did for the first record I okay. made with them. All right, well, I listened to some of your solo records. I listened to uh, Dot Hacker. Uh, work and play, right? That, that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are great records. Thank you. And I listened to another record. I can't. I'm, I'll figure out which one. But, but you know, you go back to, in this LA scene for a long time. But I just, I wonder. What, so when you joined the Peppers, was Frusciante? Did that strain your relationship? Is that where? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, but uh, the thing was, we we had been friends and we were working together and. Uh, we uh when they decided after a long break that they wanted to carry on and he maintained that he was sort of done with it for for the for that you know yeah. for, at the at that moment um and they asked me to do it i think he was just a little surprised that they were going to carry on without him and then i was sort of talking to him as his friend about the fact that the band was carrying yeah. on but they had asked me so it was sort of a strange a strange position I was holding. Well, that's interesting that somehow you were the logical step. I mean, you're no, you're a Strat guy. They seem to like Strat guys in that position. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of, <laughs> I, I, I assume the role that I'm given. Yeah, yeah is uh, it? Is that what it is? I, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I kind of, it's funny. Like, I'm, I figured, you know, I was trying not to have this conversation with my steering wheel. Yeah. You know, oh, right. Way over here. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, as a guitarist, I, I sort of became one all of a sudden when I started playing with Bob Forrest when I was younger. You know, well, I know. I, well, Bob was like, I've talked to Bob, and you played in Bicycle Thief, which, you know, and I think he's great. Yeah, Bob's the, the, the greatest. And so, but where'd you grow up? Here, in the valley. Right in the valley? Yeah. And my, you, my parents are from New York, in New oh, yeah? Jersey, but I, oh, Jersey? My, my sister and I are the only Californians. Really? Jersey? Like, what part of Jersey? North Jersey. They, they're both, my mom was born in Brooklyn, my dad in the Bronx, and they both moved to, you know, the respected... Like the Rockland County, my dad and my mom moved to Jewish North, guy, North Jersey. My dad is my yeah. mom's Irish Catholic. So half Jew and the mom's Irish Catholic. Yeah. So you didn't grow up with any of the Jew stuff. No, you know culturally. Yeah. Know, once right. in a while, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what did your dad do? Why did they move out here? Uh, film and TV. He's in the sound department. The sound guy. Yeah. He, uh, you know, boom mostly. And when he first started, the boom operator. Yeah. He's the guy holding the. Yeah. Oh, those guys are important. Yeah. 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 Got to keep it out of the shot. Yeah. <laughs> so there was like sound equipment at the house? Yeah, a bit. I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, it's kind of particular. I mean, there was always that, the Nagra machine over there that, sure. that the looked Nagra. great. Nagra. None of that stuff's around anymore, man. No, it's- No it's, tapes. Uh, yeah. And what'd your mom do? She in showbiz? She, no, no, no. She worked uh, for AT&T until I was born and then sort of took a long, a long hiatus from, from working. And then she got a job at my school. Uh, my high school doing what the dean's office which was which was uh which was fine because i wasn't in there that often but i you were not a bad kid no I, no not a but i left anyway maybe maybe it hastened do you my, have brothers and sisters i have a younger sister a younger sister yeah. she in the business she no 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 she does it normal life uh i mm, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> She yeah. all right? Yeah, she's yeah, she's okay. she's great. She okay. she uh she helps me out. Yeah? Yeah. Well how? Uh how does she help me out? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm on tour all the time, so yeah. she sort of she runs my, my oh, life for me. So you oh that's so that's good. Cause I thought about having my brother do that. Like you you know, just employing him. Yeah. 
to manage the personal assistant shit. Yeah, she manages my life. Yeah, and then I thought, like, do I really want to deal with my brother that much? Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. Do I really want to deal with anyone else? So well, that's that, nice. That my, my well, that's thinking. a nice... Well, maybe it's different with a sister. I have no problem with my brother, but my brother up in my business... You know, giving me, you know, uh, like, I don't know. It's just, I think we're good. I think it would be strain. It would strain it. V- very possible. It's and we'd end up fighting. Yeah, very possible. And then, like, I, uh, well, that's nice that, 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 you, that you give her the job and that she helps you out. So when, so you didn't finish high school? No, I left, uh, I guess it was the beginning of 11th grade. I was 15. I'm a younger birthday, so I was. You were 15? Yeah. And you drop out and your mom's in the dean's office yeah. and you're like, I'm done with high school? Yeah. And it, that was a, a big problem. But I, of I'm, course I'm not sure. Problem. She may have snuck into the attendance office and done something. I'm not sure. What do you mean? You know, because we got a knock from a truant officer once oh. and then never again. Oh, so you didn't tell again. anybody you dropped out? No, they sort of know if they don't see your name on the <laughs> attendance records. Yeah. But I, I'm not convinced that she didn't play a role in the truant officer not coming back a second time. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't so know. you just stopped going to school. Yeah. It Were was you, kind of the, the result of a weird uh, attendance policy they had. I didn't set to drop out. Yeah. I didn't plan on it, but um, there was a, a whole sort of absence policy, and then one by one, the periods fell. Yeah. I slept later and later and later. But your mom, but she knew you were at home. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a, a very tense period. I were, would just were try you like, you know, them. fuck you, parents, and like, were y'all fucked up on drugs? No, not at all. I, I that's <laughs> when I learned how to play guitar because that's so you're I all fucked up on guitar. Yeah, I started as a drummer. Can you still do the drums pretty good? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I play drums like a guitar player who barely plays drums. Oh, okay. So that's when you start playing guitar is when you drop out. Yeah, you're, you're and I just sort of time. stayed up all night, and then when I heard them waking up, I'd get in bed. Really? Yeah, and somehow I was able and you to just get away stay in your room. Yeah, most of the time. And what was the first guitar? Uh, it was a Strat. It was a Sunburst Strat. And really? And I bought it uh, from someone on the recycler directly opposite the high school I left. A good uh, a good one? Like American one? A solid. Japanese one yeah. from the 80s yeah. that had a sort of funny Fender locking tremolo. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a, you know, like a Fender's take on the, on the 80s metal tremolo. Huh. So and your first one is a Sunburst Strat. Yes. A Japanese. That I broke in a fight with my 80. mother, slamming it on the ground. Uh, probably about school or something like that. You don't remember? It, it was actually about school. I yeah. Don't remember. I remember. I sort of lashed back at her mother and it- Your it, grandmother. It exploded, yeah. So in that moment- In the uh, house. Yeah. Volatile. So, yeah. And I, you know, I thought the best course of action was to slam my guitar on a marble floor. Broke. Went in a box for years and years. And right after I joined the band, I kind of came across it. And I thought, oh, I'll take it to Eric's Guitar Repair. And uh, he put it together. And I used it all over the first Chili Pepper record. And then when... Your first Strat. Yeah. And it brought back from the, yeah, dead. the dead. And then right after that, I think it was on, you know, on the first tour I was doing with them, the band was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that's where it is now. That guitar. Yeah. The first one that yeah. you broke on the floor because you're mad at your grandma. Yeah. Oh, she was mad at me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's reconstructed. So you, you're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. But isn't, but like, it's, but everybody in the Peppers is. You just have. No. Wow. <laughs> I don't think so, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Really? That's how that works? That. Yeah, there was, you know, I, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. No. <laughs> Sounds like there's some de- points of contention here and there. Yeah. So when so when you're starting out though, like who are you listening to? Because I mean, you play in a, a sort of a a way 
now like I, I like the way you play in, because it's sort of I, I don't know if you would call it psychedelic or ethereal or or like something you know you're trying to it feels like you're trying to get somewhere out there with the playing Do you know what i mean like like there's certain that dude uh what's his name greenwood from radiohead yeah. he does it like i remember there's some older like you know some of the robert fripp solo shit you know, kind of goes out there and there's some other kind of dudes that are kind of travelers with technology and effects and whatnot and just sort of sustain and stuff. But it seems to be the the world you want to occupy. Yeah, well, it, I, I play like someone that didn't grow up playing guitar. So, and when I started playing with Bob Forrest, it was, you know, he had, he had just, bec- uh, I think he had less than a year sober, wanted to do music again. I was the 17-year-old kid around the corner from his girlfriend's parents' house. In the valley. In the valley. But you'd been playing. I thought you'd kind of locked in. You just started. Oh, you were just started playing a couple years. I was ago. seventeen. Yeah, I'd be, you know I'd been playing in the bedroom, not who, going to like, school. But who were your heroes at that point? Like, who were you trying to? Well, I grew up like you know all the music I liked as a kid. Um, you know, it's starting from the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Yeah. And then you know when I'm sort of eight, nine, there's the Guns and Roses. Right. Motley Crue. What do you think of Slash as a guitar player? He's one of my favorites. Still. Yeah. I absolutely. Love He's him. kind of like a monster on there, isn't he? Yeah. Like, how I, the fuck does he? even find that shit yeah it's kind of crazy it is crazy uh, yeah i mean he he was there at guns and roses got in the same year as the chili peppers to the hall of fame so we i, I was standing next to him oh really playing did yeah. you talk to him no not much but, he's a uh, nice guy man yeah no I, I i've i've only said hi to him um duff i've become friendly with and he's an amazing guy yeah so okay so you, you kind of know how to play guitar well you know i'm just starting out and figuring yeah. out records by ear in the bedroom but then yeah through bob forrest and sort of you know, His I, girlfriend's parents lived around the corner. Bob's girlfriend at the time, yeah. brother, was one oh. of my best friends still oh, to this okay. day. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, at the time that we're seventeen, he's three years older than me. So we just, you know, used to talk about music and smoke cigarettes. And the, her brother or Bob? The brother. Oh, okay. But then you know, Bob wanted to put something together, and I was the guy around the corner, and I had you know one year sober, Bob Forrest. Yeah. And he was friends with the Peppers and all those guys. He was in that world, right? Yeah, in that what world. What was that world? That, that Who was that world at that time? Cause I, in, I, the, in the 80s? Yeah, because I remember talking to Bob, and I know that he was close to those guys to the point where they had done some work together even, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, lived together, ran around town together. The Thelonious Peppers. Monster, Chili right. Peppers, yeah. Fishbone, Jane's Addiction. Right. And all these bands. So, w- And then, you, you know, born out of the, there was a, a kind of broader punk scene or whatever you want to call right, it. A lot that. of heroin. It was yeah, a lot of everything. Yeah, and but were you aware of all that stuff going on at that time? Yeah, not when I was really young, but you know, the minute I, I, I'm, I turned eleven, I think, in 1991. So yeah. I started middle school, and that's when, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and that whole right. thing happened. And yeah. that for a person that age was everything to me because I really? thought, whoa, there's a scene of people playing in bands together. And since then, or probably before that, it's all I ever wanted was to be in a band. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And have, uh, you know, play music with your friends that you that you love, you know? So, yeah, so Bob, so he just finds you? How the, What was that exchange? Well, right? he- Because that's a good record. There's only one Bicycle Thief record, right? Yeah, only one. We're, we, we've, we've threatened to do another one for years and years, but now, now maybe we will. <laughs> now, well, now <laughs> I, I have some, a little more time. You got some time. Yeah. And, and you're a Hall of Famer, so. Yeah, yeah. You're a Hall of Famer with some time. It's only uphill from here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But okay, so how does he approach you? How does that happen? He leaves a message on my uh, on my on my answering machine, and um, yeah, the uh, 
I, I just remember going to get together and he had had a couple songs he had started to write and yeah. we just started to play and it was it's sort of now that I've known him for over 20 years I, he just jumps in yeah. and I, I remember we had a show booked you know within a month and um, you know it was billed as Thelonious Monster and it's you know time is making more sense to me now because it wasn't that long after Thelonious was around and he was newly sober. So we played a show, me, him, and Dick Stenny from Thelonious yeah. Monster. And um, As Thelonious Monster? I think that's what was on the bill, yeah, because there was no Bicycle Thief yet. We hadn't written any songs together. Right. But, um, yeah, I remember thinking to myself that night, uh, shit, I'm a guitar player now. Yeah. And then that wasn't really something I would admit to until he, then. He writes, like, I like his songs, Right. Yeah, he's incredible. He's like a really good songwriter. I don't. I don't know why he's not. You know, more known somehow. Yeah, it, I, it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, is it still like that last record he did was sort of really dark and and fucked up and, you know, that song about not being able to eat his favorite cereal anymore. Is yeah, that's like, the one. That, yeah, that's on the Bicycle Thief album. That one's on there. Yeah, because he did an acoustic version of it on the last album. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Uh, and and John Frusciante does a solo on that album with me, uh-huh. and that's sort of right after I had met him. In, so Frusciante is is he in the Peppers then? When I met Bob and started playing with Bob and kind yeah. of joining the group of people, the greater group of people that have been around playing, John was not yet in the band. He was just sort of reemerging from a dark period it, where he wasn't in the band. But he had been in the band before? Yeah, in 89, 88, 89, 90. Right, and then he disappeared into a heroin hole? Yeah, uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, Whatever. Uh, yeah, the it, the void. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he left the band in 91, uh, 92. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so he, he rejoined the Chili Peppers, you know, a couple, a year or so after I started playing with Bob. And yeah, he, you know, be, I think maybe, maybe even before the Chili Pepper album, Californication came out, John and I had be, started becoming friends and he came and played that solo. And with yeah, Bob, we just started and hanging so, out all the and time. And you were playing with Bob? Yeah. And he claimed to play the solo and then you guys started hanging out. Started hanging out. I had become pretty obsessed with his first solo album. And, yeah. Uh, which was... Um, put out in '94. What was? Which one was that? It's called uh, Neandra Lades. Yeah, yeah. Usually just a T-shirt. It's kind of two things together. Did he? Um, was so you know he was sort of a. You liked the way he played. You liked. I love the way he played. I love the way he wrote songs. I love yeah. the way he sang. That that record is sort of. It's funny because I just I I came across uh, something and I, recently where he he had said something like uh, that that album was never meant to be released so it's just it was just sort of a demo yeah of, or something like yeah that. what and, uh, what about that record was so like well incredible. just that i think it was just made for for no one to hear or uh-huh. you know it was just sort of made for you know sort of a, a pure audience of of him of himself or you know people he knew so, and, yeah, there's a, and what was it like what, what was it about the way he played that was like so fucking uh like compelling to you because he was sort of a like he got out there. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he was. Um, he's just. He just has an incredible, in, inherent sort of sound that comes from his fingers and just. And, wild, and he's, right? but he's very. He's he's very skilled and very. Uh, you know, he's he's a student of the guitar and yeah. he, he knows how to. Um, you know, he he created a sound of his own, right? Know, taking a lot from, you know, all the the amazing guitar players. But isn't isn't weird that how somebody can like, to. like take like. Like it doesn't matter how fast or what you know people know for them to be to have their own sound. I was just talking about that to about that to someone the other day that because we were talking about John Merrick because I went to see um, Dead and Company because my brother wanted to see him so I, I got us hooked up 
And I don't know who he is as a guitar player, you, you know, but he's a great guitar player. But I, I don't know exactly what his tone is or what his sound is. But there are some people that are much less, they have much less virtuosity who I can identify immediately right? Yeah. because of their tone and their feel. Yeah, that's something I, you know, I, so I, I, I would say I play like someone who didn't grow up playing guitar and I just sort of figured it out as I went along and I always felt like I was playing catch up. Right. And, and playing with Bob and, you know, just, I guess, influences coming out in my playing, but... I'm trying. No, let me. No, I think you have a singular sound. I think that, like, what you're, are you saying that, like, you know, because, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of, uh, of, um, like, you didn't. A lot of people spend time uh, mimicking people. Yeah, or just learning actual. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never did that. Finger exercises and scales. Did and stuff. you? I just no, not at all. I just you know played songs, and then I you know I played with Bob until I was probably about twenty. 21 and well, on the road how many records did he do we just did the one but yeah. um being friends with the chili peppers we did two opening tours for them as the first of three one was with foo fighters one was with stone temple pilots really yeah just sort of on that californication tour when they were hitting it hard and going yeah. every corner of the country and you did like a lot of dates yeah we did two three week legs so you really getting your full immersion full immersion which is why when i ultimately joined later on it was sort of Everything felt kind of natural. I've known everyone in their touring family for years. Right, you weren't a new uh, entity. I you knew how it worked. Right, and but but like that that first spot, that's kind of a rough spot. People are trickling in. Yeah, no, no one gives a fuck. Yeah, but you know, it's still for me. I'm twenty, twenty one, and I just I barely look out at the crowd anyway. I know all that. I know people are getting their beers yeah. and finding their seats, but you know, just that opportunity to do that. And so the relationship with John, though, was he, like, showing you shit? Um, I, I wouldn't, no, I mean, not specifically showing me shit, but just through, you know, the relationship we were building as friends. I mean, he and was playing hugely together. In, influential just, you know, on, on many levels. Is he older than you? Yeah, he's nine years older than me. He, so he grew, when he joined the Chili Peppers, he was sort of the ten year younger than them group. Right. And then I'm the ten year younger than him group, or nine years. So, right. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm 18 years younger than the other Chili Peppers. Are you? Like I thought. So they're a little older than me. Like I thought they were on my. I'm 56. So they're in yeah, that they're, zone. Same. Yeah, they were born in 62, 61. 63. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm 79. Wow. So how? So then, how does it evolve though? That you. So you tour with them, but you don't. And then you go out and do your own thing. Well, my own thing. I, so having the dream of always being in a band and yeah. sort of starting starting the thing with Bob, but it wasn't a band so much. It was he and I, and then we got a couple guys to help yeah. play it live. But when I stopped playing with Bob, that would have been the moment to start something, right. something like that. And then, and that was you know right at the beginning of my twenties, and I just sort of spent my whole twenties yeah. touring with other bands, amazing bands. Chili Peppers were on tour. Yeah, I had a suspended driver's license, and <laughs> Frusciante was living at the at the Chateau Marmont. Yeah, and, but he, he he wasn't checking out because it would have been too much of you know to to come back and find somewhere new. So I, I stayed there for for two and a half weeks and recorded basically an album there. With him? No, on my own. Yeah. Because I had nowhere to go. At the and Chateau? I, yeah, because I had nowhere to go. I just had my cassette 8-track and no license. So I stayed up, you know, just recording all night yeah. and just made basically a record and, and uh, you know, but no one, ever re no one ever heard it. And then at the end of that stay there... Um, Gibby Haynes had called Bob maybe and called John <laughs> yeah. or you know and said well, you know we need a guy we need a guitar player who can also play drums so I went out with the 
with, with the, the butthole surfers? Yeah, for a month and a half. That must have been crazy. Yeah. I have no sense of, uh, you know, what those dudes are like other than the music, which is, you know, its own thing. Was it, were they touring on a record? Was it they Hair, were Hairway to Steven? No, 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 way after that. It was, oh. they was touring on a record that was, it was called Weird Revolution, I think. And um, I guess Hairway to Steven is something that came out when I was younger. That was yeah, like this, their, was, this was a- That was a, like their biggest record or something. Like they had done a bunch of weirdo records and then Hairway to Steven was sort of like, what is well, this? Well, then they had the massive hit in the early 90s called Pepper. Right, and then was this, that- I toured on the record after that. And oh, Pepper, was, right. That wasn't on Hairway to Steven? No, no, no. That was on Electric Larry Land. Electric Larry Land. If I remember right. Oh, I can't remember the song now, the Pepper song. What was the chorus of it? I, I, uh, I don't mind the sun sometimes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good song. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I think I still have the back the the backing track uh, CD backup in my uh, in my guitar case. There were some real psychedelic weirdos, right? Yeah, not so much when I was touring with them. It what was were a little... they? Just old timers out to making a buck? Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, you, say, you know, uh, uh, yeah, some version of that. I think yeah. they were, you know, they were they hadn't been a band in a while, so they got to, back oh. together, made a record. They were sort of. You know, I don't know how if, many of them were there when you were touring. Uh, well, it was Gibby, Paul, yeah. King, and then they had a bass player. Okay, at the time, who wasn't an original. Guy. And did you have to learn the shit? I learned the shit. I learned the set. You know, we only, yeah. we played the same set. It was an enormously uh, efficient rehearsal schedule. We would get together at twelve thirty p.m. Play the set once break come back at 8 p.m. do it again and that and so i got on a schedule i was living in a days in in austin and i would stay up late watching tv playing guitar practicing doing whatever and i'd wake up pretty much 12 15 yeah get up go to the place get to the car they pick me up yeah, yeah and i did that september 11th 2001 walked downstairs oh, good morning guys <laughs> you know drinking coffee and they look back at me and they're like do, do you know what's uh, what and they said the you don't know the trade center is gone pentagon you don't know so that's how i i had to go to rehearsal and do a whole hour and a half rehearsal until i could see what was going on really yeah they, and then i went back to my hotel and basically saw the birth of you know the the news ticker yeah and was in texas for a month wow so you, you guys had to play that day we rehearsed yeah yeah it's funny i think we did go back that night and rehearse yeah did you have to drum i i uh I did stand-up double drums because oh. King played drums, but I, I kind of did what they had in the in the. 80s. And now when you're doing that, like, so that's your, your next gig after Forrest was you got pulled into to the Butthole Surfers reunion yeah. tour. Yeah. And yet you wanted to start your own thing. So what happened to that thing you made at the Chateau? Nothing. It, it, um, Does it the, I remember the bass player of that Butthole's tour kind of compressed it and quote unquote mastered it yeah. the day before we left and I just listened to it on my own I gave it to my you know a friend or two yeah. and that's it it's just it still lives in in a couple of iPods but uh <laughs> you but don't have I, it you don't have it oh I have it yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but um no, I just re-recorded one of the songs, actually. I was going to... Uh, there's still a couple of songs on it that I love, but I mean, I just... You know, so developing as a songwriter or as a frontman, I mean, yeah. I went from being a kid drummer to a, you know, someone who's barely considering themselves a guitar player to now, you know, wondering, do I start a band? Do I sing? And then I... But then I basically lived my dream throughout my 20s with other bands, you know, kind of... Well, what was the next one? What was after uh, the Butthole Surfer tour? Um, the 9-11... Butthole the surfer. Butthole. <laughs> then after that, I I did some stuff around town. I was really um, a big fan of uh, John Bryan at the time. I used to go to Largo all the time. Oh yeah. And he uh, 
th- through a, a friend of that's his. That's a different world than the. It's sort of weird. The L.A. worlds of music. That's definitely not the Chili Pepper world. No, not at all. But and it is it, its own world. Yeah, you know it, the, how that happened. This uh, playing with John Bryan yeah. happened because after I stopped playing with Bob and the yeah. Bicycle Thief, we actually had our record re-released in some funny way. Yeah, and. Um, there was a, a record release party at the Viper Room, and Bob had asked me to do it because a sort of older Wallflowers, the Counting Crows type band, was assembled for him that he yeah. didn't know was just put together. And he said, "Come on, will you do it? I mean, it's these guys. I don't know some of the guys from those bands." Right. So I said, "Sure, sure. I know the songs." And um, we had a brief fight, you know, that we mended pretty quickly. So we- I came and I did it, and I didn't bring a case, and I you know brought my guitar in off the street jumped on played and left and the drummer that night was a guy named dan mccarroll uh-huh. who i used to see play with john bryan all the time at largo week mm-hmm. after week so a year after that bicycle thief uh, show at the viper room i got a call from him saying hey remember me i played with you a year ago viper yeah. room um i'm friends with john bryan we're doing this rock band residency at spaceland because he did the weekly largo thing but they had asked him if he would do a or a band version, kind of play his songs, but yeah. with other guys, or like you know, like a rock. Thing. Yeah, and um, you know, I was I was shocked, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go be the second guitarist. To him. He was one of my favorites. He's an incredible player, and I, and everything in my being told me that to say, no, oh, thank you, but yeah. but I didn't, and that's kind of how I've just, you know, lived all. You know, I just but like, what'd you learn from working with John? Because uh, he's sort of a, a, a notorious genius guy. Yeah, I mean, I just sort of, you know, I mean. And he just, was playing guitar, not piano? He was playing both, but mostly guitar, because that was the point, to just be a rock band, guitar-based rock band. So kinda, we would trade solos, and, you know, I, I'm obviously nowhere near the guitar player he is, but I think he liked in me that I had gone to see him at Largo so many times. I knew his songs yeah. by watching him, and <laughs> his record wasn't out yet. So uh-huh. when we got together to rehearse the day before the first show or something, I'm playing all his songs by from watching him. Oh, yeah. you knew him. So I think it touched him in that way. So we became friends. That was 02. Then I think, Are you, you still know, friends with him? I haven't talked to him in a while, but um, just from I business. just saw him at Largo. I did a show at Largo a month or so ago. I've been meaning. I, you know, I don't think I've seen John play at the new Largo, if that tells you how long it's been. He played piano on a thing. He didn't, he was, it was a Judd Apatow show. Mm. Uh, that I, I, haven't, I was not part of that whole scene. You know, I'd come into New York back then. I'd come in from New York. I moved here in 2000 and to the first or the second time but i was not part of that whole music trip it was like amy mann and john bryan and, and fiona apple and uh you know what ben montench sometimes mm-hmm. right is yeah, that the elliot crew? smith a lot at elliot that time. smith at that time right did you play with that guy i'm trying to remember if i ever shared the stage because after i met and became friends with john i would try and you know any at the original I could, argo yeah, yeah i would go up and play drums a little bit or play some guitar and i feel like there was some elliot crossover but and was there comics around I then remember yeah the comedians like yeah. zach and paul f yeah Tompkins. zach that's the first time i saw zach i saw paul all the time yeah yeah uh, greg barrett yeah, yeah greg barrett i don't know what's up with him I haven't seen him in a he while. He did a sh- he did something with Bob Forrest a while ago, a podcast. Probably. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's probably right. Okay, so there you did it again. So you're hanging out with John Bryan, but when's the next recording stuff that you did? Well, I didn't do a ton of recording from that point on. After John, I mean, maybe through people I met there, I got a call from Beck. So. Oh really? In 2003, I went on tour with Beck, and now at this point, I'd really done Bicycle Thief touring, and Butthole Surfers touring. And now I'm going on tour with Beck, and that's another step up in sort of venue size. And you're playing with Beck, playing guitar in Beck's band, you know. And and which tour? 
It was kind of the third iteration of the sea change period. I think oh, he went out yeah. with Flaming Lips first. Uh-huh. Then he went out with just Smokey Hormel, who's yeah. an amazing guitar player. And he was the last person to play guitar with him at that point. So I'm like, well, t- I'm filling Smokey's shoes? What yeah. the fuck? I can't do this. <laughs> and, um, but I went and, and uh, you know, I, I, I got that. And the ba- that band at the time was... I mean, it was an amazing band. I mean, I'm not putting myself in it, but uh, Jay Bellarose played drums. Steve McDonald played bass. Greg Kirsten, yeah, keyboard player. And yeah, Beck. it was, and we all got on incredibly well. And I'm only 22 or 23, and I'm hanging out with all these older people, which I've always sort of done, right? And I, even though I look yeah. young, yeah. but I, you know, I'm just sort of in and amongst all these incredible people, and I'm I'm living my my dream. It's the dream, yeah. playing with Beck in the big rooms. Just, yeah, playing music with people you like. Now, I have to assume that you're picking up things. Like, the, this is part of the evolution of your sound. I mean, because, like, how big's the uh, the pedal board at that point? It <laughs> was, right. it, was uh, it usually was just as big as it had to be to do what I was doing. <laughs> now, now it's pretty big, right? It is big, yeah, but if you look at, uh, you know, when I joined the Chili Peppers, I, I, uh, John's was pretty big when he left. So I, I was kind of doing what I, you know, I was yeah. covering my bases. I have such a, I have such a, a, aversion to any of the modern jiggery pokery that that you can do with live, you know, like uh, amp modelers or MIDI effects or anything. So, you know, what do they do? What those things? Yeah. Well, they allow you to have lots of sounds with very little gear. Oh, you and like not, to you like to have the thing that does the one thing. Yeah, and and you know tap dance all over it and right. smash it and yeah. you know unplug the power and look at your guitar tech and watch them come out and try and fix it. Yeah, in front of a I've lot seen of you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get pretty athletic with the pedal board. Yeah. Okay, so after Beck, then you're you're like you're playing with John. Yeah, in that period, yeah, yeah. we had started making records together. We would hang out um, anytime he was off. How'd you not get fucked up on drugs? Well, none of those people were at that time. They were all sober. Yeah, and also, you know, I, I, I had my period a little later, but um, oh, you did, but not that bad. And I mean, yeah. like, you know, doing heroin and doing that kind of stuff. I mean, you, I mean, I mean, it's funny the stories we tell ourselves about what's acceptable and what's not. But <laughs> sure, I mean, so you just did heroin socially. Well, not that. No, no I, no. I never went there. But oh, uh, you know, it's just it felt a little ridiculous to be younger, see I, what happens, right, and and go. I'm, that's good for me. But having said that, other things, right, you sure. know, you, yeah, you yeah, dive yeah. right in. But you were able, yeah, I guess, you know, by certainly having a relationship with Bob and seeing the, the sort of, uh, the destruction it reaped on, you know, those bands, that scene got you know, like kind of leveled with that shit. Yeah. But everybody got sober, man. Yeah. I mean, the ones who, yeah. The ones, the ones who were alive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're playing with John. And you're you're doing these you know his trippy records. Yeah, well we were we were hanging out all the time, yeah. kind of listening to records, practicing vocal harmonies, and just kind of being friends. And and uh, we we decided to make a record together, and it sort of turned into his solo album, Shadows Collide with People, because uh, that that was um, the group of songs he had written all, at that time. Uh, we just we we started, and I was playing drums, and we had done a lot of demos. Yeah, and. Uh, it uh, it was the first time I'd ever really recorded drums in a proper, you know, studio situation, yeah. and it was so much for me to handle. I barely played drums anymore at this point. Right. So we called Chad in, Chad Smith, to the rescue, and then this freed me up to play bass. And then all of a sudden, we were tracking as a three piece, and that's how that record came about. Uh, the The Shadows Collide with People album, and it, we had a great time doing that. How good are you on bass? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I can, I can do it. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. 
It, but you never. But it wasn't your instrument. Well, the no, it wasn't my instrument. But I love playing bass. And the next touring gig that I had yeah. was initially sold to me as uh, I would be the bass player. Right. And it was P- with PJ Harvey. And I get a call from her. Another answering machine message. Wait, how'd she find you? She found me through Vincent Gallo. Well, did you hang out with Vincent? Did you play? Yeah, I played with him, and that was through. Shante, they'd become friends. They worked together. Him Vincent, and Gallo? Yeah, he did a video f- uh, with John for, for a s- song. Like, Gallo was this guy that was just around all the time and was like, you know, he was this sort of barometer of some sort of cool, but I never really knew what he did, really. Well, he does lots of stuff. <laughs> I know, he makes, makes movies, he makes music, he yeah. dresses a certain way, he looks like he does. He he had been asked to do a couple gigs in Japan where he, he has a particularly strong following. Uh-huh. So he put a, a little band together, and it was myself and Carla Azar. Has uh-huh. she been in it? She was in, no. the, she was in a band called Autolux. Yeah. Um, played with Jack White recently. But um, yeah, the three of us, I think I had met Carla around that time. It was great. And we, we, we did four shows in Japan. It was like touring with the Beatles, sort of, you know, people really? banging on the cars. Yeah, Vincent's really big over there. Yes. And that was just another side project you did. You yeah, went to Japan with, yeah. with Gallo. Yeah, and then I did it again a year later. We did the Fuji Festival. But yeah, I, Vincent gave Polly my number, and she left a message. And the original plan was she had started playing again as a three-piece, which I had seen her do when I was out with Beck. We played back-to-back at a festival in France. And that was her original, you know, first two records are three-piece. Her on and, guitar. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Rid of me. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and it, was the, the, it was the original drummer, Rob Ellis, and yeah. Mick Harvey from the Bad Seeds on bass. So she calls me and says, I want to go out as a trio again. Mick has, uh, you know, commitment to the Bad Seeds. Would you play bass? And I was... Yes, yeah. I will. Yeah. <laughs> so we and we so we started a friendship, and I was going to play bass, and then I, over the course of the next maybe four, five, six months, she had seen the Fall play, and at the time the Fall had a bass player called Ding, and um, she decided that he was he was a great bass player, and she didn't want to play guitar, so. I got moved to guitar, which was fine. So I yeah. played guitar, and then I actually wound up playing double drums. See, she just pulled the bass player from the fall? Pulled him, yeah, straight out of the fall. Yeah, he quit and that band? That band's gone through a lot of people. They go through, yeah, I don't know if he officially had to quit. I think he just sort of stepped aside. He he actually maintained a great relationship with Marky Smith until the end, which was rare. Yeah, like, oh, really? Yeah, just to kind of, especially a, to leave the band. Are you a fall fan? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know a lot about them, but I'm kind of I'm I'm playing catch up with a lot of those bands. But I've been getting a lot of their records, and it's a pretty. I can see how you know it would integrate into your trip. He well, he I I had through that uh, my then bandmate. I got to sit in the room and hang out with Mark in the background and just sort of hope he didn't focus in on me and say, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't. In fact, he talked about me once, referred to me as the American. And I was sitting across the room. Oh, that's and nice. he didn't even know he didn't know it was me. <laughs> so, did you record with PJ or no? No, it was just, just touring. We did a how I, many I, dates? A lot of dates. Yeah, I mean, at the time it felt really long, but it was actually only uh, you know over the course of a year. I think we started rehearsing in March, April, and then we were done by December. And what album was she touring? What was it? What, it, was, what? it was called Uh Huh Her. Hmm. Oh four. Yeah. But we toured a lot. We you know it's funny that it was only you know. N- 10 months or so we went to australia twice it, we we were playing a lot do you keep in touch with these people some of them it's weird right I yeah guess i keep in touch and... with most of the people in that band the um my guitar tech that i met on that tour came with me to the chili peppers 
So like a guitar tech, is that like, you know, he's your guy? Well, yeah, I mean, he he and I just became great friends on that PJ Harvey tour. I was the only American, and at the yeah. time I was obsessed with England and all things English, and I was just trying to survive in this sea of Englishness. Yeah. And, you know, they sort of accepted me and gave me an honorary, you know. What, British? Yeah, uh, whatever that badge. means. Yeah, I was, I was, you. I was uh, sufficiently <laughs> aware of the right humor and music that I, I, I got in. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've, I'm in touch with most people from. Well, that's good. Yeah, you don't have any enemies. No, I don't think so. That's good. So outside of the Chili Peppers and those Frusciante records, you've done the Dot Hacker records and the Poirot One records. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, because I was just touring, and that was the thing. I was getting after the PJ Harvey tour. I did some like 2005. I tried to start a band with a guy here in LA that I'd known for a while that didn't take off, and then I was just sort of hanging around i toured with that band gnarls barkley yeah because i'm friends with uh brian burton danger mouse brian yeah. i did a record with him and yeah. Ma- martina topley bird uh-huh who sang with tricky yeah um i remember tricky what happened to that guy he's around yeah yeah and Mar- martina uh she's on his first couple records and she's got one of the greatest voices and she was making a solo record and it was pretty much just danger mouse brian myself and her yeah and then when they went to put the Gnarls Barkley live band together um, it happened pretty quickly I think and the guitarist who wound up touring has become one of my closest friends Clint Walsh he he had a prior engagement so he couldn't do the first show something like that so Brian asked me to fill in so I I hung out went to rehearsal made the trip to to Scotland we played four songs so we you know crazy played crazy live for the first time in the UK it was the biggest song of that year and then you know went home like thanks that was one that was fun for a huge crowd it was yeah yeah it was a bbc thing so then but that was it still you know kind of I'm, I'm not sure what i'm doing at this point and then i i started playing with sparks do you know that band yeah yeah they're that, an la band though yeah. right they're, they're they, old guys now yeah they're they've been around a while that they you know they have a, an amazing career and they i they, never understood their music well, it's I'm changed sorry. a lot. I know, like I, I like I've got a bunch of the records because they're 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 a project of mine. Like I have a, like I have a bunch of records downstairs, and I know there's certain people that they're, they're a unique thing and that have a a very specific audience, and I and I just. I have the records and I try every once in a while, but I, somehow my brain doesn't know where to put it. Well, they have a lot of different periods, and that was what was interesting about them. They have different kinds of fans in different countries because they had hits in England in the 70s, France in the 80s, Germany in the 90s. In Russia, they're they're this crazy cult band because Ron uh, wore his his mustache a little close to another yeah you know Hitler cir- mustache. Yeah. So for that, I think for that reason alone, they were put on this you know blacklist in Russia huh. so because of that all the sort of you know against the you know right the, right the against the grain people sought out sparks so when sparks when i played with them in russia in february of 06 it was again not like the beatles but there were people that were like do they know. like the music or just the mustache uh well the mustache is gone now but uh, i i think they like the music too like what's your favorite sparks record um, propaganda, maybe, yeah. but I, I like I like a lot of them because then they have a record from the late seventies called Number One in Heaven that they did with Giorgio Moroder, which is all synthesizers and disco soundings, like yeah. you know, sounds like Donna Summers, and uh-huh. that stuff. And then maybe I have a hard time with bands that do that, that kind of like that. Ev- 
Well, I, I don't know if that's well, true. Well, the thing I... was that they were never a band band. They had bands at times, but it was always pretty much just the brothers, right. Ron and Russell. And they, yeah. you know, they, they're probably working right now. They work harder than most people, and they're just always going. And I mean, when they first started and they had the massive hit, this town ain't big enough for the both of us in England. Yeah, they they had a rock band. They, right. you know, I think Queen opened for them. It was like they, right, they, they had a thing and somehow had this massive hit that, you know, if you, we would play it in England now. It's it's like people playing a know, classic. Smells like Teen Spirit or right. something. Yeah, know. yeah. It's um. And you it, and you went out with them for a while. I went out with them. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I I went out with them because I had become really good friends with Steve McDonald from Red Cross. Yeah. And he was in the Beck band with me. Right. And then he said, you know, come on, do this Red tour with Cross, me. That's a good band. Yeah. So I'm on tour with Sparks. We're in London on, yeah. on a layover on our way to Russia. Yeah. And I go see my friend, Brian, Danger Mouse Brian. And right. I had become chummy with some of the guys when I did the fill-in a yeah. few months before. And the keyboard player whispers in my ear, you know, I, I left the band today. I'm, I'm not, I don't do it anymore. And then 10 minutes later, Brian says, yeah, the keyboard, you know, by yeah. name, he says, left the band today. So... I think there was an open bar that night, and I said, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember flying. We flew to Russia the next morning. I remember walking around. It was crazy. The World Cup was going on, and I'm in Ru- St. Petersburg. But you don't play keyboard, do you? You do. And so, yeah. So I told myself that when I, I, I asked myself what I had said the night before. So I figured it out. And, yeah. I, and the guy who had done it prior to me was an incredible player. So you just figured out the riffs. And for yeah. the songs, and yeah. they, they I mean, pl- I know how to play keyboards enough. I know how to play chords, and I, you know, I actually write on piano a lot these days. Yeah, and um, but you know, I'm not a right. Uh, I get it. Yeah, keyboard. yeah, yeah. So you're doing all this stuff, and you're still kind of hanging out with John. And so when? How does the? I guess we're getting close to the peppers. We're aren't getting we? close. We're getting close. Yeah, because Gnarls Barkley is what led to. So so Gnarls, yeah. uh, you know, being maybe not through label, whatever they they get. Um, they start opening for the Chili Peppers in the Stadium Arcadium period. Oh, yeah. And this is great for me because I'm friends with them and I know their tour, everyone on it. So, so everyone's hanging out. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. you know, I'm right. in there. And uh, how did that happen? There was a cancellation because of a snowstorm. So there was a makeup show on one of the legs and Gnarls decided at the last minute not to go down to Mexico. Yeah. But because I'm friends with the Chili Peppers, I was right. like, you guys are crazy. Mexico City is the greatest place to play. Is it? Fuck you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with them. I yeah. just, you know, it's the best. So I, Just to we, hang out? Yeah. So I go, and I hadn't seen John in a while because um, I'd been on tour and stuff. Yeah. So we hung out. It was fun. Played. Then they had to make up the show in Oklahoma City that had been snowed at the beginning, but Gnarls isn't here anymore, so they had another person open the show. But I'm hanging out, nothing to do. So I play on stage with them because they, at the time, on the Stadium Arcadium album, yeah. there was lots of extra guitar, lots of overdubs John right. was doing. Yeah. And... You know, I, so there were songs that they couldn't really play because there was too much to cover for him alone. So I played a song or two that night, a yeah. song, I think. And um, yeah, on the flight home from that, uh, I think that was the first time I had flown into Van Nuys Airport, which is right where I grew Private up. Private plane? Yeah. yeah. So on the plane home, someone had come up with the idea, maybe, I don't remember, maybe Chad, to yeah. ask me to come out on the rest of the tour because... It was fun. I, yeah. You know, maybe my my demeanor lightened the, lightened yeah. the mood a bit. I don't yeah. know. But um, yeah, and then I was able to- So you to, did that? To cover the extra guitar parts, do some background vocals, play some keys. So yeah, so I, so that's 2007. So I went out with them the rest of their tour, 07, you know, through the, the end of it. Yeah. And after they finished that tour, they had a very clear two-year hiatus. And, you know, they said, 
to everyone that works with them. Don't don't even don't talk to us. We're really putting it on. We're yeah. shutting it down for two years. So and they at, honored that they did. Yeah, Flea went to music school. You know, Anthony was a new dad at the time. John was always you know making music and uh, they. Um, uh, Chad started another band. He went on a whole tour in that period. So yeah, two years, nothing. And then as that two-year period came to a close, you know, the other guys were like, "All right." And I, John still wasn't up for up for getting back in and doing it. So because he was into when, his own shit. Yeah, and he was, you know, again, he's uh, he he's one of the you know most amazing. He has one of the most amazing work ethics, and yeah. he's incredible uh, like that. So. Yeah, he was doing tons of great music, and um, they, but they, they weren't done, and they wanted to keep going, and I, you know, I was there, and that, that, so that's that's when that started, and that was '09, July twentieth is when Flea asked me. Then we still had, they were still kind of tying up some some vacations and stuff, and right. October, right after I turned thirty, is when we played for the first time, and and it was in crazy. rehearsal space. Yeah, in a, in the alley out in the valley. Yeah, um, which is where they had written Blood Sugar, I think. Right, and uh, yeah, it was amazing. All of a sudden, I'm you know in this band. Were you put, I, what is it? Were you putting together a touring set? No, I was joined. I joined as a as a full-time member and a writer and right so they were working on new material yeah because they they were shut down for two years yeah so it was new album time and you know i i I hadn't been playing guitar much like i'd been doing keyboards and gnarles barkley or i was writing songs on piano i was messing around with synthesizers playing drums playing a little guitar had you done any of your own solo albums yet nothing uh nothing released no i you know i had home recordings no no um in the time the chili peppers were in their two-year break yeah i had sworn off touring with other people because that was an amazing experience but that's when i you know was hitting it like that i'm in these amazing touring situations and i'm surrounded by incredible people all the time but i'm kind of miserable yeah and i'm and why is that? Because I'm, you know, I've always wanted to be in my own band or have yeah, write yeah. my own songs and right. do that. And I'm hiding in these other people's projects. And but the, like I said, I was sort of living the dream. I'm kind of doing yeah, bigger and bigger venues. Big yeah, yeah. But uh, but do you it, feel like no one really knows who you are? Yeah, and th- which is you know that's a funny thing because I don't know how much of that I care about. I just I want to do I want to write songs and yeah. I want to play. I want to have a band. I've wanted it since I was a kid. Right. But I'm starting to realize more and more and more. Yeah. That I am hiding from taking that responsibility, and I'm sort of, you know, it's a lot easier to to tour with other people. It's sure, it's not on you. But I'm, um, you know, I'm you know, literally you just saying, do your part. Yeah, I'm yeah. literally saying, like, this is killing me. I got to right. stop, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. that, and uh, and um, so and, and dark, so I, that's your when dark I, period. Yeah, you know, yeah. but still kind of getting it done and playing, and doing these tours, and making yeah. friends, and, right. and, and and making lasting friendships, and but that's when I put dot hacker together and i swore that this is you know finally i'm gonna do my band i'm gonna stop being a you know stop being scared i'm gonna write songs yeah and and um clint walsh from gnarls's touring band eric gardner from gnarls's second touring band and uh, a bass player named jonathan hishke that i'd met through some friends um i i convinced him to move to la um we started dot hacker and that was you know and it was only we named it that because we needed a name because my friend who who I met Bob Forrest through, yeah. my, whose sister dated yeah, Bob. Yeah. He was booking the Troubadour. He gave us a show there. Yeah. Dot Hacker was Eric, the drummer's grandma. Um, Dot Hacker was her Dor- name? Dorothy Hacker. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, uh, you know, everyone was sort of, you know, is that our name? Yeah. And then somehow it just stuck. I, I stuck. I liked calling it the Dots. Yeah. You know? But, uh, yes, and 
Okay. And, but I'm still sort of figuring out how to be a singer and a front person and write songs. And, you know, I'd sort of come out of being in the shadows. Do you have a following with that band? I mean, are people getting on board? There's a couple, you know, especially, well, that so that band was basically put on hold because shortly after I started you got working. got the peppers. Yeah. So, but I was able to, and, you know, th- because of the opportunities the Chili Peppers, you know, brought to me, I was able to sort of keep that band going the whole time. Yeah. And any every time we had you know a couple months off i was able to do another dot hacker album we didn't get to tour it we played a couple little tours we opened for blonde redhead once we went to japan for two shows but we weren't able to to be a band right so yeah that was but i mean you know through being in the chili peppers people have heard it not a ton of people right but that's the funny thing it's like i you know again though i like your label Oh yeah, they're great. Yeah, they, and that that ORG. You yeah, mean? yeah, and yeah, Andrew. He's the like, the, like yeah. They sent me a bunch of stuff when they sent me your stuff, but they they have a very uh, eclectic sort of reissue taste. Yeah, yeah, they and do they do a really job. good job with them. Yeah, like they're nice heavy vinyl. It sounds like the mix is really good on all this old shit. They're using the real shit. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, and that was a funny thing because we had made the first Dot Hacker album. Uh, two years before I think it came out and then Steve McDonald again who I was friends with he was working at the Red Cross guy yeah Yeah. he was working at Warner Brothers at the time he played it for a guy down the hall who who was at ORG yeah the guy Andrew who who runs ORG now was kind of uh, assisting this guy Jeff and Jeff liked the record he knew that I was in the Chili Peppers now and he knew that you know if anything happened with the record you know it was all in house more or less because they were based out of Warner Brothers building so they decided to put the record out we didn't think Dot Hacker album would ever come out or there'd be any life for it I'm in the Chili Peppers now and yeah so then that first album which I brought for you if you um, which one let me see uh, this one the first Dot Hacker record yeah this came out right you know right as I sort of right as this I, is the first one. Yeah, and that's right as I, you know, the first Chili Pepper album I did came out. Which yeah, I, I think I got a later one. I don't know if he sent me this yeah, one. Yeah, here, I, I, I brought you all of them. This is my whole, <laughs> the my whole catalog. Whole catalog yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. And this is your Chili Pepper songs, record, though. The Getaway. Well, the two of them there. These two. Actually, those last three, yeah. These last three. Those are the two records that are official records, and the one in the middle is the collection of oh, extra cool. songs. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. So... Working with those guys, I mean, being in that band, because you were in that band, um, did you feel that you were able to sort of carve out your own trip? I mean, they've had several guitarists, but did you feel like, you know, you were able to leave your mark on that guy, that band? I, I hope so. Because I when I noticed when you play with them, the, only the couple of few songs I saw you do, and they were songs generally that, you know, were recorded, you didn't record with them, yeah. but it, you sound like yourself. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I was sort of unaware of the whole time. You know, I don't, I learned, I never read the internet anyway, but the beginning, you know, the first tour I did with them, I'm sure there was lots of people talking about, you know, comparing me to John and all this. And, you know, I think I spent probably far too much time thinking about that. And, you know, I I did all these tours in my 20s and never able to really develop my own style and play right. other people's stuff. But I play like I play and, you know, I learn from who I learned from or I, you know, I learned by playing along to what I learned to play along to. So I, there's got to be, an, you know, a style there. Sure. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, but again, now I'm in the Chili Peppers, I'm playing the songs that have they're, you know, they're, been yeah, they're you know recorded anthems, famous the world yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm trying to be respectful, and yeah. I'm, but I'm trying to, I, I can't help but just be me, right? And you know, so hopefully, if if this uh, change, you know, John coming back and you know me leaving had happened 
five years ago, half my time in, it probably would have destroyed me. Right. Because <laughs> it would have confirmed all the things that my mind that you to tell me, that I suck and yeah, that I'm worthless yeah. and all yeah. those things. But, you know, I think now I've done two... Oh, we were we were you know, over a year into writing a thir- another album, and uh, so I've I've done a lot of writing with them. I've done so there's work that hasn't been recorded yet. That you, yeah, that's uh, just going to go away, I guess. Wow, which is you know that kind of so they liked writing with you. Obviously, you know you guys were doing stuff. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. I mean, I think it was you know it's a it's a funny thing. I think it was it was all positive. It comes down to the history that uh, you know. Sure, I, it's a funny position to be in to to be the person that you know for a second could think that john you know doesn't like oh i should be there you know it's yeah. absolutely john's place to be in that band so that's why you know i'm happy for him i'm happy that he's back with them and also there has to be some element of like so you think the the intent is to do a new record with john yeah i mean i think you know i think that's the thing there's no matter what John and Flea specifically had a musical language you know and a connection that was made when yeah. john was 17 you know, 18, yeah. Flea was, I don't even think he was 30 yet. You know, Hillel had just died. The band hadn't had any major success. You know, yeah. it, they're very different people and it's a very different time. Yeah. And when I joined, it's 2009. There's, it's a different a time. Yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, everyone in the band, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for how open they were to me on so many levels. I mean, that's why there's that B-Sides album for the yeah. first, because I brought in a lifetime worth of song ideas. And yeah. We went wild. We recorded 50 songs and there was a 25, 30 more that didn't get finished. It was crazy and it was a great, they were very open to me, very trusting. I think there was a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of my work or my writing at the time got sort of pushed aside, uh-huh. be sad, you know, and, and as someone who was trying to write and trying to, you know, do my part, yeah. I, I remember it felt a little funny. I was sort of like, oh, okay, my, I thought, I thought I was doing good work yeah. and it's, it's, it's over there, you know, and, uh, yeah, I think everyone, you know, Flea, the, the language that he and I were always trying to, you know, I think he was trying as hard as possible, but, you know, you'll never, I'll never be able to, to compete or contend with the history that he and John have, you know, and yeah. And that's interesting. So, so, but, but you definitely had, you, you could read each other on stage. I mean, you knew what was up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, if this had happened five years ago, I think it would have been hard for me just temporally to weigh that against what they had. Yeah. But now with double that amount of time, 10 years, two tours and almost three albums of writing, I, I'm really proud of what I did with them. And I, I feel like we did create something and we did, you know, and and aside from the music, just on a personal level with, with the guys individually as friends, with everyone in the touring family, every, yeah. you know, I feel like I brought something to the the whole to the sure every, and you know i'm really proud of that well that's great man yeah. and and it's and not, I, you know it shows me the growth i told you like i i know for sure if this happened five years ago i would have just fallen into yourself yeah yeah and it's also it's not acrimonious and you have things you want to do yeah no you, I, I mean yeah and you know you're gonna keep all your friends do you know yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah flea flea and i had lunch a couple of days after you know he said this has never happened before they've never made a 
change, a member change, unless there was a tragedy or or a um, uh-huh. you know, a, just a, a really dark situation or something. Yeah, but you know, everything is great. I mean, I how almost, did they tell you? Did did they all sit down with you? Yeah, yeah, they I did? came over. It was really sweet. I rode my bike over because Flea's uh, living really close to me at the moment. Yeah, and um, yeah, they just said, um, you know, we're gonna we'll get right to it. Uh, we've decided to ask John to come back to the band, and I just sort of sat there quiet for a second, and I said. I'm not surprised, you know, and I, I guess the only thing I could think to say was I wish I could have done something with you guys musically or creatively that would have made this an absolute impossibility. But then again, like I said, I'm, I'm in, you know, that that's yeah, that's that's next to impossible. Why do you say why do you say that you know it does you're not surprised? Cause you, well, just because I had known that John had reached out oh, to oh, okay. um, yeah, Anthony yeah, yeah. not too long ago. I, you know, there was just. It crossed my mind. It was so, com- he saw he was on the periphery. Yeah, and you know I hadn't spoken to him, but I saw him at Flea's wedding. He looked, you know, like he was in a really great place. And, yeah. You know, if he's playing guitar again, I think there was a long period where he didn't he didn't have much of a relationship with the guitar. And, really? What was yeah, he I mean, playing? Keyboards? Lots of synthesizers and programming, mm. and he makes you know electronic music, and you know he's he got incredible at doing that. And yeah. yeah. I mean, from what I had heard from yeah. people, he just he had sort of put the guitar down for a while. But um, back. He's back, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I... Uh, well, I'm glad you're okay with it, man. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I'll have little moments where at the end of the day, as 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 funny as it could be in that band sometimes and as, you know, as as difficult as writing was sometimes, uh, you know, there's nothing like... And John said this to me when I joined. He said, there's nothing like waking up in the morning and coming up with an idea and going and playing it with your friends in a couple hours, you know, and, yeah. and that's true. There's, you know, I, I, like I said, when I was 10 or 11, I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to play music with friends and that's, I still want to do that. Well, so, you can. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, yeah. So what's the plan? You're going to get the Dot Hacker guys together? What, I well, mean, yeah, have, maybe. I mean, this is pretty fresh news. It's fresh news and I have, I, it's the first time I've had nothing on my calendar since I was a But teenager. you're not freaking out? No, not yet, no. And yeah, no. Because I, I, I don't like uh, I have an amazing workspace, and uh, where at I, your house? No, I have a, a, a I, I don't call it a studio because I don't really record myself except yeah. on little eight track cassette eight tracks. Right, but it's just a warehouse with tons of stuff. And, and you rent it? Yeah, that's interesting. So it's just you, or is it a is it a space? Yeah, it's just me. I have a friend who does uh, kind of furniture and. Uh, and and you know, a all, all kinds of art. Yeah, she's yeah. got a set, like a store out yeah. front and a workshop in the back. I want to get a space. I want to play more with people, man. Oh, come over. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> like I, I, how do you decide? Like, what effects do you lean on the most? What pedals? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's there's so much now. Yeah, I think I have a reputation for having a big pedal board. Yeah, but I. I, I love the most just playing clean, you know, and sort of... Yeah, the Strat plays clean is the best. You have a ton of things you can do with just the tone knobs and... You can, huh? Yeah. And I, y- yeah. And I got that weird little 57 Fender Deluxe yeah, over there. beautiful. It's, what do you play through that with the I, I think I have one of those. You do? I, I, I'm not sure if it's the same exact year. Mine yeah, might yeah. be a year after. Yeah. But... Uh, They're good yeah. when you crank them all the way up, huh? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Get all dirty and yeah, it's, it's yeah. incredible. That's what you want. Yeah, I have too much stuff actually. I'm probably gonna have to. Yeah. But you play Firebirds too? I have one. Yeah. Just I, one? Yep. Have one. Oh no 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 no. I, I have a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple. But I, yeah, I, uh, I've not. Let's see. I have I have three Firebirds. You like them? I do. Yeah. The Firebird Seven 
PJ Polly Harvey played that on the tour that I did with her, and I would play it for a couple of songs, and I sort of fell in love with it there. What's the sound like? Is this it's a, is it a humbucker or it's a weird single coil? There are those Gibson mini, hum- mini humbuckers, yeah. And there's a I have a Les Paul in it with a Firebird pickup, which oh, is yeah. what uh, Neil Young. And then Daniel Lemoy, kind of, I think he based his, one of his guitars on Neil's, where you put the the mini humbucker in, in the, the bridge position. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of have a, a uh, you know, two really disparate tones, like uh, between the humbucker and the mini humbucker. Between the yeah, yeah. I thought that Neil played uh, those P90s. I thought he yeah, played so it's a P90 dope. in the neck. Oh, and, and the, a, oh, okay, and a, and a Firebird in the bridge huh. with a Bigsby. Wow, that's what the 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 that black Neil Young guitar that yeah, fucked up deluxe. Yeah, it's a gold deluxe. top. I it's know. A, yeah, it's a go- fifty-three gold top yeah. painted black. Yeah, and Lenoir has a, a fifty-three that he left gold. But I I did some playing with him. For in, what? Just through through friends. The uh, the guy I was trying to start a band with right after the PJ Harvey tour. Yeah, uh, he was good friends with Lenoir, and. Um, we just kind of would go over to his house and play for fun. And then he had some dates. He's got a lot of toys, dates. right? A lot of toys, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he he did some, I did some shows up in Canada with him, which is great. And his engineer at the time became a, a really good friend. And he's the one that recorded that first Dot Hacker album. Oh, okay. Didn't Lenoir do something with some weird techno dude? Like yeah, a, a Venetian Snares. Yeah, yeah, I was who, who also makes music with Frusciante. Oh, Venetian Snares. That's yeah. a, he's a Frusciante collaborator? Yep. Like I tried to listen to that album, I I, I dug it. I got into it. I don't know how many times I could listen to the it. Lamois, the Lamoise. Yeah, yeah. I heard I, got, I heard it once. Yeah. So, um, all right then, man. So, your folks now have they are they okay with your life? Yeah, yeah. They are. Yeah. <laughs> now they are for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And y'all get along? Yeah. And did you did did you when you put your guitar back together that you broke in front of your mom? <laughs> did, did you? Start? Well, they were at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. They couldn't believe it. So they 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 knew it was that guitar. She knew it was the yeah. one you broke. Yeah. Well, that's nice. You yeah. got full circle in their happy. Absolutely full circle. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for, for having me over. Yeah. Thanks for the records. Yeah. There you go, folks. Josh Klinghoffer, former guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, going on tour with Pearl Jam. Uh, he's going to play with those guys a bit, but his, his solo project, 401, will open the show for them on their tour starting March 18th. Many of his solo projects are available wherever you get music. Uh, the solo album, To Be One With You, uh, is there as well. And uh, I don't feel like playing guitar today. I had a guitarist on. makes me insecure. I'm also tired. But you can go to WTFPod.com slash tour for all of my tour dates and go to PodSwag.com slash WTF for 50% off WTF merch right now. Boomer lives! <laughs> <laughs>